Welcome to When There Are No Words, conversations between artists about grief and hope in their work. This series is sponsored by 10 of those, resources that point to Jesus change lives. To support the podcast, get ad-free listening, bonus episodes and other gifts, join us on Acast Plus for as little as £5 a month. Welcome to another episode of When There Are No Words. Uh, Now in this episode and the next episode, I'll be talking to two painters, one from the USA and the other from Scotland. Uh, Talking about painting on a podcast is a little difficult, so you'll have to excuse me talking a bit more than usual as I describe the paintings. But I'd also recommend, if you're not listening to this while you're driving, uh, looking in the show notes for the paintings that we're talking about. Now, what's fascinating about Jamin Still in this episode is that he's also a story writer and he writes after creating a painting. So rather than illustrating his story, he paints a picture that kicks off his story. Anyway, I'll let him tell you more about that. Remember to stay tuned to the very end of the episode after the song to hear about this week's giveaway and also some special discounts available to you listeners. Enjoy. For the last of our interviews this series with artists across the pond, I have with me painter and storyteller Jamin Still. Hi, Jamin. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here and uh, looking forward to this conversation. Uh, We first came across you um, at Hutchmoot uh, in uh, so the Hutchmoot Conference, which is run by the Rabbit Room in Nashville in 2019. I think you were you had a stall and were selling your wares. Um, and uh, we took home a painting of, um, or print of your painting of Aslan, who now looks down on us um, in our living room. We're particularly taken with that. Now, Jamin, I, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about um, about what you create, how you create, because you paint and write within a particular world. Is that fair to say? Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Ye- yeah, um, primarily I'm a painter. Uh, I, I drew a lot as a kid, but I also wrote stories when I was a child. Um, but I shifted over to painting in high school and did that through college. And over time, uh, the subject matter and the um, scenes that I painted were mostly story related. They were narrative focused and they were usually um, centered around kids or uh, scenes of mystery and kind of wonder and not really fear, but there, there's, a, there's a piece of that in there. Um, just thinking about what it's like to be a kid and, uh, and thinking about kids in certain situations um, with stories happening to them, just really narrative paintings. And so that that became uh, my primary form of art, but they lead to uh, others and myself asking the question, what is this about? Because they're not illustrations of existing stories. They are in and of themselves the beginnings of stories. And so how I often work is paintings first, and then that starts questions in my mind. And from those, I get ideas for bigger stories. Um, and for a while, those just existed as ideas. But then 
I started to write those down. And so I, I like the same themes in paintings and in stories. So I started to, I decided to, to create a world that all these things could live in. Um, it was a way to organize it because every time I paint, I kind of come up with a new story, which if I paint 50 paintings in a year, that's going to get messy pretty quick. <laughs> and so uh, my world, it, the world of Habaria, is uh, a series of islands. I built it large enough, hopefully, to uh, house all of these paintings and stories. Um, and so, yeah, that that's kind of how... Uh, I create, they, they feed off of one another. Uh, I'll, I'll paint, write a story, I'll write a story, get ideas for paintings, and it's kind of a loop. Brilliant. Now it's interesting, you tend to focus on children or youths as your primary characters. Would you say your paintings and stories are for children, or is it that your stories about children very much speak to adults? <laughs> I mean, that's a great question. I, I, uh, I don't really know how to answer that. It's probably both. Um, I, I do think, uh, I mean, it's not really therapy, but (laughs) I do think, I think a lot about experiences I had as a child, not that I had this, uh, traumatic childhood or anything like that, but I remember questions. I remember, um, situations that I just didn't know how to articulate or answer in my mind and I just think a lot and so I, th- I think I try to still now um, work through that um, and, and not again that's not the goal but I think it's it's incidental it happens um, it, it's a contributing factor um, I, I seek in some ways resolution um, even as I seek to make stories, I love stories. I love creating stories and all these pieces, you know, of myself kind of feed into that. And so, yeah, it's for kids. Um, yeah, it's for adults. Uh, one of, one of the things I really love in writing and painting is, is the honesty that kids crave and what in my experience was so often lacking and so um, I'll create stories and, and paintings where, say, say the character is dealing with fear or dealing with grief, and instead of um, acknowledging that and then papering over it or, or dismissing it, um, I want to deal with that, even if it's not like very neat mm. or you know tied up with a bow. Because as a kid, you know, when you're scared, um, and you're just told it's going to be fine. That's probably true, but it, it doesn't address that emotion that the kid's going through. And so it's somewhat dismissive and I think it can be dismissive and it, it can fail to deal with, uh, a very real thing that a kid's mm-hmm. going through. And so in that sense, I do think I'm writing for kids and painting for kids in that I want to be honest, like may- maybe it's not an easy answer or an easy um, satisfying answer, but at least it's um, respectful and 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 honest. Mm. Uh, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. So. It's something I try to do with uh, my the music that I write for children. Um, 
it's very interesting you say as a as a kid there's so much you go through but you can't articulate you know you don't you don't have mm-hmm. the words and chatting with sarah groves on another of the episodes about this kind of thing that you when you don't have the words for something it's very hard to understand something as soon as you can name something then it starts mm-hmm. to become clearer but as a child you just lack the vocabulary to to be able to do that and mm-hmm. there and so things can feel so much more scary but then if you haven't maybe if you haven't done the work of you know yeah working through those things actually as an adult you need those things still articulating and uh, perhaps yeah. if you did have a childhood where people did just paper over the cracks and oh everything will be fine and you didn't get those satisfactory answers that's going to carry on into adulthood um so mm-hmm. i would think that would resonate with adults as much as children because they you know as adults we still want the answers and maybe didn't get them before yeah it's a human thing it's not even a kid thing mm-hmm. i think that's just when you first experience it um and and, and as a, yeah, as a child right. you're more honest about it aren't you you ask the question you say but why yeah i think so why this tell me <laughs> yeah is that absolutely yeah. absolutely as adults we think oh maybe i shouldn't be asking that question so i won't ask it until somebody else does um yeah yeah we we armor up or we mm-hmm. uh we don't want to embarrass ourselves or we don't um yeah we're just we're just more self-protective i think as adults and so kids are are really great in that way and that they they don't know to care yes <laughs> <laughs> and so they they ask those questions anyway you know yeah so. oh that's brilliant um i mean you've you've kind of started to well you've certainly mentioned this so far i if um People, if you haven't seen any of Jamin's uh, paintings yet, go to his website. There'll be a link in the um, show notes. But as you look at the paintings of Tales from Hibaria, if I've got that right, um, one thing that strikes me immediately is that they're all dark. And I don't mean that in the sense of horror, evil, mm-hmm. dark, but they uh, they are just literally quite dark. So a lot of them are at night. There's storms, rain, churning seas, dark woods. Um, you have a series of pictures from Narnia as well. Uh, but similarly, mm-hmm. they they all have a dark background. The, the picture that we have of Aslan, he's he's got strikingly piercing eyes looking at you. But the background is is dark. He's kind of looking at you from out of the darkness. Um, or even against the darkness, perhaps. So uh, looking at it, it seems struggle, loss. Uh, you've mentioned fear. They seem to wend their way through your stories and paintings. Not without hope, though. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about why why you seem to address that so much and what draws you to tell those mm-hmm. uh, stories. Well, there's there's two answers to that there's the very um practical answer which is that i always start on a black canvas really i will take a canvas mm-hmm, and just paint a, a layer of black initially and um that actually came about by accident in college i was pretty broke and i had to paint over canvases and um and i painted over this one that had this really dark blue patch and I just, I really liked how the paint interacted with that dark layer behind it. Um, 
I could do some things with that that I wasn't able to do with the lighter background. Mm. And so it, it, it's at, at least that aspect of it started just purely by accident. And, um, and it, it, it made the paintings look better. I'll be honest. It, it was like, hey, I, I actually look like I know what I'm doing when I start on this, <laughs> this, this darker surface. Um, but over time, it, uh, it became also, um, it kind of fit in more with what we're talking about mm -hmm. theme-wise. Uh, dealing with those um, stories and experiences that are usually centered around kids uh, nighttime is just this really, it's a weird time, right? Mm -hmm. Like the world is asleep. Everything is dark. Um, personally, that's like, I think a time when a lot of those questions become more pressing. Yeah. And so a lot of my stories are, um, they take place at night. They take place in the dark in lantern light or starlight or moonlight. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that's just kind of become a theme where it's rare that I paint a daytime scene. It's kind of mm. it's kind of strange now, now that you mentioned that. But it is it's those things. It's the practical piece. But then also with that, um, when I am telling a story, that black canvas actually makes it easier to really focus and um, kind of pinpoint an area of light. And so if there's a painting where a kid is holding a lantern, uh, that area of the snow or the ground is really lit up mm -hmm. and the rest kind of recedes into the background. And so, yeah, there's, it's, it's thematic in a lot of ways too, because that's, that's the time, as I said earlier, when a lot of those questions are asked and mm -hmm. that's just the place I, I like to go and kind of explore that stuff. Mm. So, okay, well, let's talk about a painting that was then followed by a story that was then followed by a, a repainting, um, perhaps. Yes. And uh, the journey that um, uh, the journey to creating those things. So you started off with a painting called The River Road. Is that that's where you mm -hmm. started? Now, I'm looking at it now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to attempt to describe it, but uh, you'll probably do a better description. Um, so because this is a podcast, it's a little bit difficult, but there will be a link so you, can, <laughs> you guys can go look at it um, and maybe unless you're driving, in which case don't go look at it yet. Look at it later. So there's a there's a river running up the middle of the uh, of the canvas. Very, very tall trees on either side. Tiny little boat. Um, you have to kind of zoom in to see. I mean, I say zoom in this because I'm looking at it on a computer. Um, you can get up close if you're looking to, on the actual canvas. Uh, a boat with a little uh, a child and a badger, I think. Um, but your eyes are lifted to um, or a, a setting sun, perhaps, or maybe a dawn. I'm not quite sure which way it's going, but there's stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. But there's also, it looks like, um, sun just over the hills. So kind of quite dramatic down at the bottom and the trees are very dramatic but but light and very hopeful so that's that's mm -hmm. where you start with the river road is that is that a fair description of the picture would you like to say more Everyth about it? everything everything but the badger the badger actually isn't in that one and that's why it had to be repainted um those are lanterns oh, it's, it's a very lantern. small it's not your sorry fault. <laughs> it's not your fault at all no um 
So yeah, that one that one I I painted in 2018. I actually started it at Hutchmoot a year before I met you. Wow. It was one that I was working on there. And the vague idea was just a journey. A, a lot of my paintings are journeys mm -hmm. because that's such a great metaphor and um and so he was just I didn't know. He was floating down this river. Um mm -hmm. I didn't really know what it was about, but yeah, I think what you described is is uh give someone an idea they're just floating down the river and um mm. who knows where it leads to but it, it kind of demands an answer to that mm. like the the viewer kind of wants to know um is he leaving something is he going to something mm. um what what is going on and so when i painted it i didn't really know that was well as we talked about earlier that was just the beginning of a of a story idea where i just start with elements and then the questions start coming and and over time, I started to, to answer those. I love that. You, you've painted the river road and then you've started down it. So you then wrote a story. Have you written a story for mm -hmm. every painting or? No, okay. <laughs> not at all. Um, so the, the stories, I'll have, I'll have the beginnings of stories for most paintings where I'll just have a line or two and I'll write it down. I have a, okay. a file. Um, but to sit down and kind of um, write them all out is a, is a bigger endeavor. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was traveling a lot to sell art at art shows. Mm -hmm. And so practically speaking, it was, it was kind of difficult to carve out time to write as well as kind of paint as much as, as I was doing. So I just started it. Um, but in 2019, the next year, I got the idea for actually putting out a book, a, a collection of short stories. And so that one I chose. And so I started thinking a bit more about what that story would actually look like. Um, and that led to, to me writing it. So that story is part of a collection of 12 and as I was thinking about the collection, they were standalone, they are standalone stories, but they all kind of work together to start to tell a bigger story. And so this particular one, I decided where it was gonna happen in the world. I, have, I, I drew a map to kind of help me organize everything. So I decided where it was gonna go in the world and um, started to think about this kid and, trying to think i think i actually started it in 2019 it's it's kind of funny because it, it was mm. about a uh kind of a pandemic mm. before the pandemic it was uh, a story about this boy's village where a, a sickness came in a disease came in and killed everyone but him which sounds uh terrible for a kid's story right uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean when i described it to people um some people have been like, yeah, it's just not a great idea for a kid's book um, <laughs> or a kid's story. And I get, I get that. Um, but as we talked about earlier, I, I just, I kind of wanted to address a, a real extreme mm -hmm. story of loss, uh, honestly. Well, and, and so, and like you say, post 2020, it's perhaps not as extreme. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the story, um, the the story is about. It opens with him having lost the entire village that he is a part of, his parents included, and 
it's not immediately apparent mm. to the reader that that's happened, but that slowly unfolds in the first part. And then it kind of uh, follows along as he decides to leave because there's nothing left for him there and to go to this forest um, called the Hornwood. And I forget exactly when in the story it is made clear, but he's he's essentially going there to die because it's a dangerous place with um, scary creatures and, and all these mysterious things that happen there. And he just doesn't know what else to do. He's, I think, about 12 or 13. I think he's on the, and, eve, um, on the eve of his 13th birthday. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I have forgotten my own story. But yes, <laughs> uh, I, I was right there in the ballpark. So... <laughs> So the story is is him going, and and he meets um, this badger who's uh, he's a constellation in, in my world. These there's twelve constellations, different animals, and they can manifest. They can come down mm-hmm. and interact um, with people, and uh, it, these aren't allegories. It's not God, but it's a it's a god-like kind of character Mm. um it's a character that um has some amount of power and wisdom and so it's a it's a stand-in i think in some ways for for god um and he meets this badger um which i tried to write it without the badger so i wouldn't have to update the painting but um (laughs) the badger became necessary and at that point i realized i was gonna have to redo the painting okay um and so he interacts with the badger and it's at this kind of part of the story where I kind of work through trying to create an interaction that acknowledges grief. This kid has lost everything um, that doesn't dismiss it, that doesn't um, say everything's going to be fine, mm. but doesn't also end in utter despair either because i i think as as a christian myself there is hope which i think can often lead to people saying hey there's hope don't worry about it Mm. but there's dismissal there so there's hope but then there's also i what what i want to address is just the acknowledgement that there's real difficulty and hardship Mm -hmm. and so that interaction between the two was my stab at um at, at doing that at, at mm. saying like uh this is this is how maybe i would address grief with with maybe one of my kids or this is what i wish had been uh spoken to me or something like that so yeah. it's uh yeah i guess that's a, a summary of the story and it doesn't end um satisfyingly in that he's all better <laughs> yeah because that's not how it works. But but I do feel, I do hope that there is, that it's somewhat satisfying in its honesty and realness. I think so. I as, as I read it, that's, yeah, that's exactly how it, I, I felt. So it, it finishes with, um, this is a long road, perhaps one of the longest, heart nodded, then let's begin. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a big thing that I've tried to draw out with the songs that um that i wrote on the recent album that just sitting sitting with grief for a time mm-hmm. um and and that you may need to come back and sit with grief 
for a time that it's not a okay mm -hmm. let's have a month of grieving and then right happy clothes let's mm -hmm. move on that it is a long road um that mm -hmm. you you don't know how long it is uh you don't quite know the why the turnings and but the the beautiful thing that the badger does is yeah, he just sits with the boy and acknowledges mm -hmm. the pain um mm -hmm. and that there's there is something with grieving with those who grieve um mm -hmm. and then being ready to celebrate with those who are ready to celebrate again um and it's yeah. very real and and again children need that adults really need that so, as i've been doing shows around the album that's been a big thing that comes up at every show afterwards chatting to people and people come and share their stories and just having permission to cry is a, is a massive mm -hmm. thing and for some people it's it's about people that they lost years ago but they just mm -hmm. needed to they needed to sit with that again um yeah yeah sounds like you open up a space that allows for that um not that everyone has been told explicitly they can't but sometimes people need to be told they can um and it sounds like that's kind of a space that you create i hope so i think people hear implicitly that they that they can't um you know mm -hmm. the amount of people who feel you know they need to be presentable again and not not cry mm -hmm. and, and you know and apologizing when they start to cry oh i'm really sorry i'll, I'll no. and it's just saying no it's it's fine do it um yeah. and we all we all need that space and it's just beautiful that the badger does that <laughs> and uh and that somebody reading that story hopefully then feels mm. the space to just sit um or maybe I've, the permission I've to just... sit with others as well right i've just finished up uh, a novel that continues in this world and we come back into contact with Hart, the main character uh i believe it's six or seven years later and it's not a huge part of the story but there is uh again i want to address this and he is um he acknowledges that it's still part of the process he isn't all better it's still even after all this time still something that he is working through but he's further along mm -hmm. and has some amount of perspective that he can offer mm -hmm. others. And I've really, I've really loved dealing with that because that is true. And, um, and it's also hopeful in a way that it doesn't feel canned or, or, um, I don't know, gimmicky. It, yeah. it feels more true. Yeah. Um, it's not exciting that it's seven years later, but that's just how it is. Yeah. And so, Oh, I look forward to reading that. Yeah. Okay, so so that's that's the story. So then you had to go back and repaint, um, perhaps not just because of the badger, because the painting does change a little bit. Let me just yeah, it's darker. It's uh, you get less of the beautiful blue sky. Um, when you say less of the beautiful blue sky, there is no beautiful. And by blue less, sky I mean not at, at all. all. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's it's become purely nighttime. Mm -hmm. There are stars, mm -hmm. and interestingly, not the hills. So the mm -hmm. hills are gone, and the whereas in the original picture, the river seems to 
bend a little bit more, but it seems to be going up into the hills. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one doesn't bend so much, but kind of bends around at the end of the picture mm-hmm. and goes off somewhere that we can't see. Mm-hmm. So in the original, it looks like it, you know, it's maybe its source is up in the mountains or mm. it's kind of going towards the light. Whereas this one, we've no idea where it's going. Right. And that's, I think, due to the sharpening of the idea in my head, whereas the mm. first painting was vague and full of possibilities as, as to where the story would go. Um, this one being painted after the story was done knew a lot of the answers to that question. And so the the bending off into the unknown, I think to some degree is symbolic of of this boy's journey. Like he, he knows there's grief, but he doesn't really know what that's gonna look like as far as navigating it. And, um, and I, I think the, the hope maybe that's symbolized by brighter light and the hills perhaps, um, was just absent in this one. Um, and also I knew it was in the Hornwood, which doesn't have hills. So there's, okay. <laughs> there, there's also very practical um, uh, restrictions too, based on, based on how I do things. Um, Geography. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's one of the big reasons why. Um, okay. So yeah, it, it, it's an interesting process for sure. Um, and I haven't really come across too many other folks who work in that way. Um, Mm. Uh, mo- most folks I know illustrate stories, manuscripts, and um, and I can do that. It's just a different process. It's a different um, mm. creative process. Um, mm. One of the reasons I did the 12 story collection was that I could start with the images. I could just paint the images and allow for freedom in their painting and um and then the story could come from those images and so if i'd started with the stories then it just would have been a different creative process that feels in some ways more restrictive um it's just different it's just a different process and i'm geared more towards the former a very quick pause in the conversation to remind you about the discounts that you can get as listeners Uh, there will be more in future episodes so keep tuning in Uh, But right now, you can get 30% off two books. Andrew Peterson's Adorning the Dark, which is a fascinating look into the life of an artist and how we can be adorning the dark too. And you can also get 30% off Dark Cloud's Deep Mercy, which is looking at the important but often forgotten subject of lament. So you go to the 10 of those websites or use the links in the show notes and use the codes NOWORDSAP23 that's no words AP23 if you want Adorning the Dark. And no words SG23 for Dark Cloud's Deep Mercy. Absolute bargain. Please go and make use of that wherever you live in the world. Um, right, back to the chat. Now the the piece that you kind of gave me permission to use for my album, mm. um, that's actually been on my wall for uh, a couple of years, I think. And initially, um, I should just describe it. It's uh, it's a picture of a candle, um, clearly been burning for a while. The wax is all dripping down, um, but it's only an ember now mm-hmm. at the edge of the wick, and that sort of 
bit of smoke you get when you've just blown a candle out um again it's near some hills mm -hmm. and just over the hills just peeking over mm -hmm. is is a rising sun um i was initially drawn to it um because we had just come out of a very difficult church situation mm -hmm. and it reminded me of isaiah 42 uh, verse 3 i think it is that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out mm -hmm. in faithfulness he will bring forth justice um it just reminded me uh, of the gentleness of the savior mm. uh that that he wouldn't snuff that without having experienced a lack of gentleness perhaps <laughs> mm. um but then um when i came to writing this album and really uh trying to chronicle the journey of grief the picture became something different for me um the smoldering wick now represented uh, the dying embers of life um the sun which was hopeful in the in my sort of first looking at it but again sort of remains hopeful but it's the hope of the life to come mm -hmm. um just over the hill of of death i guess so i ended up looking at this picture in two different ways and neither of those ways perhaps were the way that you had originally painted it <laughs> how uh, what, what what did you have in mind when you first have i told you the story picture i i'm trying to remember if you have you might have okay done, but well so tell everybody else this was um for a number of years at my church i was i was um i used to be a pastor i worked at the church we still go to and when i transitioned from being a pastor to being an, being an artist um my head pastor was super excited Hopefully not because he was excited to see me go. I, I don't think it was that. <laughs> he was more excited to see me kind of uh, step into my gifts and, um, and and pursue that. And he um, was very supportive in trying to find out ways um, that I could do that, um, specifically within the context of the church. So for a number of years, we would get together and talk about either sermon series or... Um, themes he was going to talk about throughout the year and then i would come up with an image or series of images and um if it was a year-long series um i would paint the image uh and talk about it at the beginning say january hmm. talk about why this image relates to the theme that we're going to talk about six months later i would revisit Kind of remind people and then at the end of the year do it one last time so this year we went through the psalms and i forget what it was it might have been 16 or 17 and so each month we went over a different type of psalm um different themes within the psalms and so this i remember it was september i don't <laughs> i don't remember exactly what the theme was um but but it, it it was about hope and it was about uh suffering it's it's really about what we're talking about okay. um mm. and again uh this is just how i'm wired but my desire was to acknowledge uh the suffering the 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 guttering mm. candle the hopelessness that that i think at times can uh, represent um but then also the hope of of the coming dawn and so like the dawn isn't like the um 
the thing that makes the the blowing out of the candle all better the candle still blows out um and so that is in the foreground it's to be acknowledged um but as christians there is hope um and though but those things aren't mutually exclusive they they should both be acknowledged and held in uncomfortable tension i think like we suffer we go through that um it feels um often like death it is often death um but there's hope too. So it, it really is a perfect image for um, how you thought about it, I, I think in both ways. So um, yeah, I don't think I had told you that. I don't think I had, but it, it it's really fitting. So honest answer, how do you feel about people interpreting your paintings in varying ways and perhaps in ways that because you often hear artists they're like oh yeah no that's great you you interpret it however you want to um i'm not entirely sure i'm i mean i i can see some of that but there are some things where you're like no but this is what i meant so yeah it's hard it's really hard because i my yeah this is probably a cop-out but i just don't know because part of what i do is i put stuff out there so i have to be to some degree i have to be okay with that um the the situation with the church where I was painting a painting, but then also talking about it, mm. really scratches this itch because this is a tension I often think about uh, a lot, and the the marriage of image and explanation. I think is just is really powerful and yet the openness of an image without explanation as you're explaining to me is is very powerful too and so i think there just has to be an open-handedness on my part where i know my intention um perhaps it is really super explicit and it's going to frustrate me if if people take it in other (laughs) directions um but but maybe not you know i Honestly, from from doing this full time, I've been doing art full time for about nine years now. And I think um, some of my most, I hate to say popular images because it just, it makes it so, um, I don't know, all, all about money. It's not It's not about that, but like there is something to be said about what connects with people, right? And the images that connect with people are those images that people can bring their own experience to. And so in some ways, the answer to that question is I'm grateful for that. So for example, I I painted um, an hourglass. Uh, I don't Mm. know if you're familiar with the image. It's, It's one I did a number of years ago. It was a commission and it was for a very specific situation um, that I won't go into, but it was it was the, the top part of the hourglass is um, these dead trees in sandy looking soil and it's falling into the bottom piece, which is more stained glass. The trees are alive and it's green, mm-hmm. it's hopeful. And the idea behind it is, again, kind of what mm-hmm. we're talking about, this acknowledgement of the present and the hope of the future. And I think that image, 
just a lot of people can bring their personal experiences to it in in a way that um, speaks deeply to them. Mm-hmm. They they see what it's communicating. Maybe a loved one died. Maybe um, they lost their house in a fire. Like I mean, the 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 examples are endless that an example like that could speak to. And so in that case, I'm super grateful. I'm super excited that I can create something that people can maybe not make their own meaning out of it, but they can plug in their own experiences to maybe enhance the meaning yeah. that I intended. Yes. This is a really messy answer. I, I think you understand I, what I'm saying I do. though. So. I do. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not, yeah, it's not making up something, like say a meaning that's totally unrelated to it or that somehow twists the mm-hmm. piece, but it's that actually, which, the piece yeah. tells a, a, a good enough story that it's relating to so many people and situations um, that that people can mm-hmm. come to it from various angles and uh, for it to feed them. Yeah. So that I like. I haven't really had a lot of experience with people really kind of twisting yeah. it in the, in their own way. At least not that I know of. <laughs> that I think I'd just be less excited about. Um, who who would be excited about that? Um, but I haven't had a ton of experience with that. Yeah. Um, but that whole meaning and intent is is one that I've had that conversation with a lot of other artists, mm. and it's really interesting where a lot of folks stand. Mm. Um, a lot of people come down in a lot of different places with it. Um, I love intent. I love communicating intent, but I also recognize that with art, often that can't be super clearly communicated without like a little plaque hanging yes. next to it, or you know, so <laughs> yeah. Um, you've got a new story coming out. You've mentioned it already, and you're about to mm-hmm. launch a Kickstarter. Now, it might be, um, it might be by the time this podcast comes out. I don't know how long. Do you know how long the Kickstarter is going to be going for? It's a month. It, it'll it'll go through. Um, it's from June twenty sixth, I believe, to July twenty second okay. or twenty. It's it's four okay, weeks. This, so the podcast might overlap with that. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Tell us a little bit more about it. So even if people miss the Kickstarter, they can be on the lookout sure. for it when it comes out. So those 12 stories that I put out in 2020 um, were all these different characters uh, in the world of Fabaria in different times um, having these different uh, adventures or experiences that begin to kind of lead up to this bigger event that's going to happen this um uh this conflict Mm. that uh, is hinted at in those 12 stories and so this is not a short story this is a novel this is uh 82,000 words so it's a it's a bigger story that isn't so much focused on imagery as it is it's the fruit of all these stories kind of coming into my mind Mm. and i just kind of have to get it out. So it it tells the story of um, the beginning of this. It's It takes um, the sister of one of the girls that there's a story about and follows her um, through th- this this quest to, um, to save her city, essentially. Um, the story that was in the collection uh, that it kind of overlaps with is that she lost her family, her sister included, in this storm. 
and they both think the other is is dead and so um yeah my, my stories are pretty morbid i guess um but so she's dealing with this she's dealing with um the loss of her family again in in the way that i i love to do just try to acknowledge it and kind of work through what would this girl's experience be like and how would interacting with other kids um help that change that affect that and so it's it's an adventure story but it's also the story of her kind of working through this uh this grief as well and um and so that's just a, a theme that that threads through the entire story it is uh, my mom was disappointed to find out yesterday um because i'm really bad at kind of updating her on stuff that it's the beginning of i, th- I think a, a trilogy and nice. so it doesn't like bring ultimate <gasps> satisfaction um to all these loose ends that were presented in in the tales uh, of habaria um but it begins to address okay. them and so brilliant yeah. yeah oh that's amazing um okay so people look out for that and postage from the states to the uk is crazy expensive um it's insane bonkers there are various words for it um but for those in the uk who would love to buy your art um is there an option that they could buy digital versions and get it printed here that's set up on my website but i i can certainly do that um I can say, for example, your the the image that you're talking about. If people connect with, with the candle, um, that isn't an image I have on my website, but I have all of my images. Uh, I have all that stored, and so uh, just contacting me through either Facebook or Instagram or or my website, um, I'm I'm pretty responsive, and uh, and I could I could easily send you the digital version, and you could take care of the. The printing there it would save you so much money in in shipping and um so yeah i would absolutely be be willing and uh i'd love to do that if people are Perfect. interested brilliant i do have some prints of the album cover so i have ruined your picture with my name not at on all it and the album title so if people want the ruined version they are welcome to buy the prints off my website um that's amazing right um we're going to finish the conversation there but um you're very kindly going to read a little bit from the river road um and then we'll play out with a song so okay um, gonna take it from about three quarters of the way through right so what's happened in the story now is uh, we, we talked about it earlier but he has left his home he is uh in the wood and he's just gone through some drawings that he had brought with him and he's looking at the drawings and they've reminded him of of what he's lost um specifically he's he's looking at a drawing of his mother and so i'll just pick up from there and and kind of read read the rest of the story he began to cry he had kept everything inside until now afraid to let it out but the sorrow was too much the disorientation too overwhelming his world had been shattered unmade and those he treasured had been lost heart buried his face in his hands and wailed you are not alone child of the earth 
said a voice. The boy raised his eyes, and there on the riverbank was a badger. Blinking away his tears, Hart said, I'm more alone than I've ever been in my entire life. The badger's gaze was steady, but it said nothing. What do you want with me? Hart said at last. I'm here to share in your grief, if you will allow it. What do you know of grief? Enough. The badger, larger than any badger Hart had ever seen, pushed the boat back into the current and climbed in. It sat beside him. The boat floated slowly on down the meandering river. Presently, Hart said, this time without bitterness, what do you know of grief? For a long time, the badger did not reply. Then it said that it is a deep wound, that it feels as though it will never go away, that it feels as though it will never heal. That's not very comforting, said the boy. Perhaps. But that is what you are feeling, is it not? Hart nodded. You feel that all hope is gone? All beauty is gone? He nodded again. I too have felt these things. Do you still? asked Hart. The badger's eyes were far away. No, but I did for a long time. I don't think I can live without hope. The badger reached down and picked up a pair of broken lanterns that lay in a tangle of rope in the bottom of the boat. The creature hung one from the stern post behind them and then made its way to the bow and hung the other from the stem post. As the badger returned to sit beside Hart, the lantern suddenly flared bright. You feel that hope and beauty are dead, but they are not. They're only hidden from you for a time, made invisible by your grief. But what do I do? Hart had begun to cry again, the tears streaming down his cheeks. We sit, said the badger gently, and you mourn, which is no easy thing, while I help you to remember that there is light when all you see is darkness. We sit and travel the slow river road together until we come out on the other side. The boy rubbed his nose with the back of his hand. It won't be short, will it, the journey? No, child of the earth. This is a long road, perhaps one of the longest. Hart nodded. Then let's begin. If your memories speak his name, don't hide it from me. You can't suddenly remind me he's gone As if I could forget my sad song You may not know what to say Neither do I Neither do I you may not know what to do I need you to stay right here So come sit with me And we'll laugh together Come sing with me
And we'll cry with each other Come sit with me And we'll laugh together Come sing with me And we'll cry in each other's arms I know there are no There's a storehouse that we can read. You've stories to tell that I don't have. I wanna hear it all. I wanna cry and laugh. Don't leave me here on my Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, there's another week to win a copy of Every Moment Holy Volume 2, which we chatted about in Episode 3. Uh, this is courtesy of our sponsors. Ten of those. We're giving away three copies. Simply share this podcast on social media. Tag at Michael J. Tinker. Now, if you have a private account on Instagram, that kind of thing, I might not see the tag. So just let me know that you've shared it and you'll be entered into the prize draw. If you're listening to this episode after episode five is released, I'm afraid the competition is over, but we have a new competition every two episodes. So keep tuning in, keep sharing, and uh, keep entering these competitions. Thank you so much. See you next time. Thank you for listening to When There Are No Words. Remember, you can support the show on Acast Plus, where you'll get ad-free listening, bonus episodes and other gifts. See you next time.